fight is done. We lost. Stay hidden. Jedi. This patience. Jedi cannot help what they are. Their compassion leaves a trail. The Jedi code is like an itch. He cannot help it. Is he? Everybody and welcome back to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ. He's Steve, and we are jealous of Ewan McGregor's thick hair in episode 283 today, August 12th, 2022. We're going to be going right into our topic of the day, which is the Obi Wan Kenobi season one review. But before we actually jump in there, make sure that, um, hmm, get the high ground on that subscribe button and maybe, uh, hmm, use the force on that notification bell. Shove a boulder on it. There you go. Shove, yeah, shove many boulders on it. (laughs) 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 That way you will not miss a single solitary episode of Joy Gasm that drops. Once a week, every week. Steve goes without saying, as per usual, it is ah. very nice to see you indeed. Ah. And uh, if I may direct our viewers to our brand spanking new Joygasm tumblers that just came in. I, you know, I have yet to even take a swig of this. Let me just take a little drink of it. Just go. Mm. I'm going to take a oh. swig of this right here. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, mm, mm. Wrap your lips around that, Steve. Wrap your lips around that. <clears throat> so I'm talking about it. it has oh, been, that's good about that. It's been a while since... Oh, water tastes really good in these. Uh-huh. Really mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> that is some high-quality <laughs> H2O, if I do say so. <laughs> Myself there. Yeah. Help me to wet our whistles throughout the show. Ah. Mm. I can't think of a better way of doing it. Well, we have gotten through Obi-Wan Kenobi. And by we, I mean you. Yes. Because I actually got through it some time ago. And, uh, um, yeah. you know, it's. 
it's it's better late than never, Steve. Better late than never. You know what I mean? Yeah, except when you're really late, Russ. And then Indeed. That, that margin kind of gets slim. Indeed. In Duty Rudy. But my question is to you, Steve. What's your question? What did you think of season one? Well, I thought it was pretty much like I figured it would be. Um, I think I remember saying before the show came out that it seems Disney is just trying to fill Disney Plus with just content versus like real artful entertainment. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was concerned because Obi-Wan is a legacy character. It's not just like a play around throwaway character. He's significant in the entire universe. Dare I say he is a stalwart. (laughs) Yes, Russ. (laughs) Anyhow, so um, I definitely very concerning. And after the first two episodes... That concern was not waned. Was not waned. It was not waned. Oh. So the concerning, and then of course I finished the show, and I'm still under that same impression. I went into it with the low expectation, and then the low expectation on this side of the table was definitely met. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know, in my situation, when I was watching the show, it was a bit of a roller coaster ride because. Like a Space Mountain roller coaster was? Well, no. <laughs> kind of like, uh, I don't know. Ah. I, I, I have no idea if, how, which coaster to even compare mm. to. But what I was going to say is, is that actually, you know, the, the, the show, in my opinion, started out fine. It was solid. Mm. And then when it came to episodes two and three, it dipped. It took, it took a dip. And, and I was, that, that was the moment of, of being concerned. But then from episode four until episode six, it was like this, this upward climb. And then by the time that, that the show ended, it was like, okay, you know, this, this could have been better. But having said that, I do think that the show does have merit in certain capacities. I think the show has very cool sequences that are overshadowed by like poor writing in a, in a sense and like just questions upon questions of what's happening. Yeah. And so to me, it's like, okay, well, like, like, like the last 30 minutes, well, I'm not going to, we won't get that. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. <laughs> but it's like, you know, okay. The last like, Part of the show was the major treat, but everything else is like you mentioned the roller coaster. I thought, okay, this is cool. This sucks. Yeah. This is cool. I'm falling asleep. Yeah. Okay. You know, and so it, it kind of just averages out to kind of eh, at the end because uh, it seemed like there was someone at the discussion table, someone in the committee who said, okay, this is be really, really cool. We really have to show this. And people went, okay, that sounds good. What do you think, you know, junior high writers? And they go, yeah, we could base a show around some cool <laughs> stuff. And so that you had like this, all this filler that was just kind of meh. 
well, not kind of, it definitely was meh for yeah. me. And um, and then you had these cool sequences, like okay, well, why can't why couldn't we have had more of those cool sequences? Like for example, the Mandalorian, it was just fun throughout the entire show. Oh yeah, and it was Mandalorian being the Mandalorian being the Mandalorian, and I'm and I've said that before, and I, and I still feel the same way. Where I'd I'd finish a show and go, okay, it's one in the morning, I should go to bed, but episode two's available. Right now, mm-hmm. and I'm still awake, and I should kind of, you know, kind of feel ju- compelled uh, yeah, to like keep exactly, watching it. Yeah. Exactly, and so, but but with this one, I was like, okay, here's Obi Wan, but it's not really his show. It's kind of Leia's show, and then it's kind of Reva's show at the same time. And so Obi Wan's kind of getting only a third slice of his own show, and I just, I don't know where where they're heading with it. it just feels like they're just trying to get content out there to keep people subscribed to Disney Plus. Sorry, Russ. Hey, no, you are entitled to your own opinion. I did think that the majority of the characters that they had in there, I think, worked in terms of what was going on at this point in time. Because if we think about Obi-Wan Kenobi in between episodes three and four, Mm. he was tasked with watching over Luke Skywalker, right? And we talked about this in the past, about how, like, if that was the only thing that he ever did. That would make for a really boring show. Just like, you know, six episodes of him just sitting on a rock in the desert, just watching Luke. Like, it's like, wow, this is captivating. Yeah. <laughs> What's he doing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he almost got into trouble there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the sand people over there. Yeah. They better not come over there. <laughs> oh, okay. They didn't. They didn't. All right. Cool. Crisis averted. So that, I mean, like, like going into this, I had an expectation and anticipation I figured, if for nothing else, that they would have um, certain types of situations as well as cer- certain kind of um, characters that would come into the mix. And so, yeah. like, for instance, um, Uncle Owen and Aunt Baru. Mm-hmm. It was it was like a given that they were going to be in the show. And honestly, sure. I wanted them to be in the show because I want to uh-huh. see more of the kind of relationship that they had. I honestly bought into and thought that watching um, specifically Uncle Owen talk to one Kenobi, I like the friction there because they both have this sense of duty, but they come from different places. Mm-hmm. And so there is that friction that we did see when we were watching A New Hope, right? You know, when Luke's talking to him and uh, the old man, Uncle Owen, is like, you know, oh, that, that Ben Kenobi's a, he's a crazy old man. You know, like, <laughs> like he has a lot of stuff going on. So I like that. I also, if you recall, I was um, expecting, you know, at the time I was making a prediction, I said, you know, I'm, I would not be surprised if, if uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi had to get called off world mm-hmm. because of some kind of need that um, he was a good fit for or whatever. And sure enough, it was Leia, which again, the concept of having a young Princess Leia makes sense because if you recall in episode four, A New Hope, Clearly, she knows who Obi-Wan Kenobi is. Uh-huh. Yeah, she she yeah. sent the message to him. So I was like, okay, how then do we show that? How, how do we like like start that relationship? Because the last time that Obi-Wan Kenobi saw Princess Leia, she was a baby. So it's like, okay, we got to have that. That's where problems for me started to arise because I didn't fully buy into who they cast as Leia. And I don't think it's necessarily the actress's fault in that regard. I do think it was a kind of a combination between 
casting her, but also to the way that the script writers developed the character. It just like, I think she was supposed to be like 10 years old or something. And I'm like, no, you look like you're five or six. Like you don't look 10. Right. But also to the, the different types of, of situations that she got herself in, or even some of the stuff that she was doing to um, say, quote unquote, save the day, so to speak in her own little capacity. Again, I just, I run into issues with that because it then turns into, well, you know, everybody can, can save the day in some way or whatever. And everyone is, is competent. Like, I'm sorry, but like (laughs) when you were, let's just, let's just say for for the sake of the show, when you're 10 years old, Uh do you know how to open up like a circuit board and like go through and, you know, uh, fine open Russ. (laughs) If you talk about smashing it and then it opens, I'm talking about not even owning, but like, you know, first of all, crawling into like uh, yeah, an unknown space. I know how to do that. Yeah. And then you're met with a network of wires mm. that would basically be like an IT person's nightmare. So far, so good. Yeah. On an alien planet that she's never been on. It's yeah. like, how, how would she ever know how to do all this stuff? Anyway, that's just one example. Sure. Now, when it comes to some of the other characters, um, I, th- I think we talked already about how this 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 new uh, is it second sister or third sister? <laughs> I think it's a second sister. Second sister, yeah. <clears throat> and her name is Reva. Yeah. Or I, or Ev- I mean, maybe it's Reva, but yeah. I think it's Reva. Sounds to me like has two E's, but I mean, I, I make more sense. I think sounding wise, I have would no be idea. Reva and not Reva. But I I, I had the subtitles on because my wife was watching, so I said Reva, like R E V A. Yeah. I'm like. Ugh. One of the two. One of the two. Yeah. Well, again, this is another example of like how in in theory, in concept, it's actually yeah. a cool idea because, and again, I suppose it goes without saying that we should issue a spoiler alert because we're mm. going to be going all over the place. Even the show's been out review. for a couple months. Well. Still being courteous. It's still, it's courteous is our middle name, Steve. That's right. Or is it saucy? That's your second middle name. Mm twice removed Mm. when it comes to this particular character though Mm. i like the the theory behind it where it's like oh you know we first get introduced to her she's a part of the sith she's also a part of the inquisitors and then as as you watch her character arc we then discover oh that she was actually one of the the younglings so to speak Mm -hmm. within the the jedi academy and and she bared witness to um Anakin's atrocities and basically the fall of the Jedi and the rise of the Sith. And and so she was, she's a survivor, right? Like she, um, wanted to try and, and, and take revenge eventually. And so you see this kind of, um, I don't know, like, like hinting, if you will, as to what her main motivation is by the time you make it through all six episodes. Now, when it comes to who they cast, I didn't buy into it. I think that like, you know, watching her performance, I, I, it wasn't compelling. And, and this is something that like, I've had an issue with, with multiple, um, I'll, I'll call them like, you know, next generation star Wars actors, right? 
a lot of them just don't have the right type of presence or formula when it comes to Star Wars characters. Like, you know, if I compare her to say someone like Lando Calrissian, Lando Calrissian is Star Wars. Um, it's, it's, it's a very elusive, slippery kind of thing, but like, you can't just have anybody. And we've talked about this on multiple shows Uh where like, you know, you can't just cast anybody within a star Wars film and have it work. You have to really be picky as to like who you want to be in there. Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, no Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) I'm doc. (laughs) I'm doc (laughs) inquisitor. (laughs) No, no, no. Oh boy. So those are the things that like, I think of when I was watching it and I kept trying to th- like give it a chance. And I was like, no, this is just, this is just not working. Um, yeah, just, it didn't work at all mm. as far as I'm concerned. Now what did work though, oh, yeah. is the relationship between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi. And of course this is one of the big things that everybody was highly anticipating, right? It was like in this Obi-Wan Kenobi show rematch, Oh, yeah, well, exactly. And and what's interesting was that before this show came out, the only kind of like footage really that we had to go off of was was once again a new hope where Obi-Wan Kenobi's an old man, he's on the Death Star, he he meets up with Darth Vader again, and then we hear the exchange, the dialogue exchange going back and forth and how you know he said when last time we met I was but a learner, but now I am the master. And then, you know, Obi-Wan says you know, only a master of evil Darth and that sort of thing. And um, as they fight, he, you know, Darth Vader says, your powers are weak, old man. And he's not just saying that as like a smack talk kind of thing. It's like th- the two have a very bonded relationship, despite even them being at opposite ends by the time episode four rolls around. These people have grown up together. They know each other inside out. I mean, they're, they're like an old married couple in a way. So a lot of the, <laughs> the things, old, if the old married couple wanted to like <laughs> sever each other's heads off. Yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Steve, exactly. Yeah. But, or like maybe a better example of that would be, um, you know, like say, say some old guys who are playing chess in the park, right? Like they've been mm. going there and hanging out for decades and decades. They, they, they know each other almost better than they know themselves. So that is is um, what we were exposed to initially, but then there was a natural curiosity, right? Of like, okay, what was it like back when they were younger, when like they weren't, you know, super young, but they weren't super old either. You know, you didn't have some old hermit of a man fighting this other old guy who's like half machine and stuff. You know, what what about that in between time? That that you know, eighteen to twenty years, and I feel like that is one of the strong points of the show. Um, when you watch as they dole out these different encounters, um, I found that to be very rewarding. What'd you think? I don't say, I wouldn't say rewarding is, is the right word. I mean, I enjoyed watching them both on screen. I enjoyed seeing Darth Vader, you know, back in costume, I don't know how they got James Earl Jones like synthesized voice back, but they did. Um, but in a way, I it, it, the that lightsaber sequence was cool, um, but I kind of wanted to leave it back in the, like the prequels. 
in a way. Like it was a okay back then and having that time go by. And because in this show, there's no mention of Anakin or Darth Vader being a learner. He's, he's saying basically I'm Darth Vader. I've learned the dark side. I don't need you anymore. There's nothing more you can teach me. I've learned everything I want to know from you. And I'm now learning from the emperor and whatever, whatnot. So he's, he's acknowledging that I'm, I'm not your apprentice. I'm not your Padawan. And so even what, when in episode four, that takes that whole thing out because like, oh, no, I'm now I'm not the <laughs> learner. Now I'm the master sort of thing. Okay, well, if, if this was written or canon or what, lore or whatever you want to say, then he wouldn't have said that in episode four. Or at least, I mean, that's kind of under my impression because why, why would he say that again? Like, yeah, okay, we, are, we had that interaction member on the rock planet and we fought again. And then like, you know, there's no need for you to repeat what you just said if, if that was the case. I think the show also explored that part of their, of their relationship though. Cause if you recall, Anakin was always trying to prove himself to Obi-Wan, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and one of his weaknesses was that he didn't have patience. He was very impatient. And also too, he was quicker to anger. He was quicker to frustration, that sort of thing. And I think that that was revisited multiple times throughout the show because Anakin is so desperate, like, like in the show does a good job of this where Darth Vader is clearly obsessed with finding Obi-Wan Kenobi mm -hmm. and killing him. But one of the main reasons why is that Anakin or in this case, Darth Vader, it's, uh, it goes back to that notion of wanting to prove himself where he, he knows psychologically he can never ever like 100% make that claim of I'm the master until he's bested Obi-Wan Kenobi. And you combine that with all of the, the pent up bitterness and hatred and turmoil that Anakin has based off of losing his wife, losing his, or he didn't even know he had kids at that point, right? Like he just knew he lost his wife. Um, he knows also because, of the, the types of things that he did, like with the younglings or two, I should say two of the younglings, um, being like the, the key component of the fall of the Jedi and, and, uh, you know, Republic basically, and having this new empire and, and everything else there, there's a lot in there. There's a, there's a lot to Anakin that is not, it, you know, it's not surface level. And that's, that's one of the things that I find really fascinating about the character overall is that it's very one dimensional. If Darth Vader was just like, I'm evil, I'm bad, you know, cower before me, I'm going to try and strike you down. And I'm glad that they didn't go that way. I'm glad that they actually really started to showcase more of this. So like, for instance, there's the, the one um, encounter that was probably, I think the first encounter that between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader, where um, we learn that Obi-Wan has really cut himself off from the force. Like, you know, it, it's, it's actually kind of interesting when you think about it because they presented it as a bit of a duality of sorts where, Obi-Wan Kenobi is also in turmoil. He's also suffering PTSD. You know, he's depressed because of the fact that his side lost in the prequels. And so he's grappling with that. Um, and as a result, he's, he's, he's um, shut himself off, which, you know, we see that kind of more in episode seven, eight, nine, in terms of like this idea, this concept that yes, like, 
if you're a Jedi or a Sith, you can in fact just like not actually be one with the force, so to speak. And so what's interesting is that when you see this encounter with Darth Vader, he realizes that and he's just like, he's almost surprised. Like he's kind of like, wow, you, you're not as powerful as I expected you to be. Like you're, you're not even using the force or whatever. And what's interesting is that in that, in that particular encounter, Darth Vader wanted to torture um, Obi-Wan Kenobi. He didn't want to just like outright kill him, you know? And and I thought it was like, kind of like this, this like Sith poetic justice where he lights that, that uh, chemical fire And he's like, you're using the force to like slowly drag Obi-Wan through it as if like they were back um, on the, like the, the lava planet. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, but um, essentially like giving Obi-Wan a taste of what he experienced himself and then kind of leave him there to like continue suffering and whatnot. I really dig that. I thought that that was excellent storytelling. I thought that was great character development. And you see that again and again in the subsequent episodes where anytime that Darth Vader realizes that Obi-Wan isn't a special or not a special, but like a specific location, he diverts like all resources to that thing. And, and there's like that one moment that I love where um, you have the, the kind of bald headed inquisitor questioning Vader and being like, you know, those are the people we're after. We don't need to go after one guy. And, and Vader's just not having it. He's like, Obi-Wan is the target. Like, and, and so that's part of what I just, I found myself really enjoying through the show. I can see what you're saying, but the other side of it is that what we've come to know about Obi-Wan, where we've come from with the prequels, is that this is the guy who's going to be awesome later on. And so, like, this show is like the gap where he's supposedly not awesome, right? And we don't, like, I don't necessarily need to see him be Superman, but it's that whole thing, like, um, with episodes the later episodes with Luke Skywalker, how they say like, Oh, Luke's been on this Island. And yeah, even though you love Luke, like he's just kind of a hermit. He's a nobody does not really use in the force. And that idea didn't fly with me then. Mm-hmm. And so now that they have the, that they're using this idea now, it wasn't fully fleshed out. I mean, I guess you could, you know, bridge those gaps if you wanted to. Um, but it wasn't clear to me that, that, Obi-Wan said, I'm not going to be practicing the force anymore. This is not, this is not who I am. I'm rejecting it. And blasters are okay with me with guarding Leia and guarding Luke. And that's all I'm going to be from now on. That was not, to me, it was not written very clear. And so I thought, okay, he's just bored out of his gourd. And so (laughs) that's why he's forgetting to practice using the force. And that's why he's basically kind of rusty with it. Almost. And not like till the end where he goes, oh, the children, you know, and becomes like, I'm not going to say like Neo, but in a way that's kind of where I'm writing. You have Neo from the Matrix. Um, so we went like from nothing to like everything. And now we finally went, yay. But um, anyway, I remember that that scene and I thought, OK, this could be interesting. Uh, you know, He's using the force to press him down into the fire. And I thought, well, I don't remember. Obi-Wan having many scars. I mean, all we do is see his face later on in episode four. Uh, but I'm like, I don't remember him like telling us that he had any burns or scars or had to get like cybernetic limbs or anything because of that. So I'm like, okay, I think he's going to live up through this and not be very harmed. And he wasn't like, 
he maybe had a couple burns. You know, they show him in the Bantha or Bantha tank or whatever that's called. Yeah, basically the medical tank. Yeah, the medical tank. He's got, you know, a couple burns, but like, you know, um, nothing that really hurt him later on the episode. Well, no, I mean, he has scarring on his shoulder and back and stuff. Like, and that's the thing is like, we, we never see older Obi-Wan Kenobi in a Lowen cloth where we can you know examine his body. <laughs> hey. But once again, like <laughs> that is something that I appreciate. I like that because once again, we're, we're, we're bearing what, like I said earlier, we are bearing witness to what transpired within these 20 years of the unknown. And so, yeah, like he's going to take his lumps and I think a good way also of describing Obi-Wan's condition is that of like um, like a soldier returning home from war where there's a lot that, that's pent up. He's not ready to talk about it. He's just, you know, he's having to process in his own way, but there's, just, there's, there's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of turmoil. He's shut down. He's shut off. And I think... Um, the show eludes to a lot of that, you know, and, and this is no, no secret at all because this is something that, that the, the overall franchise has begun to explore more and more of it is this concept of if you are a Jedi or you're a Sith that you have the choice basically to like, you know, either, you know, be drawn close to the force or cut yourself off. And so that's why we saw in the earlier episodes um, with him, say fighting like different baddies or, or even struggling. Like, like when Leia was falling in between those, those buildings, he was, you know, really having to, to try as hard as he could to stop her more so than would be necessary for someone like Obi-Wan Kenobi, who's a Jedi master. But again, it's, it's that having to dust off the cobwebs, right? It's like that he's having to remember how to do it again, but also there is an apprehension. There is a, um, a reluctance to open that door again, because there, he feels re, kind of almost like, like that door is what makes him feel responsible for failing at his duty in the, in the first place. So it's, it's pretty cool because like what, to your point, like when we see like, like the battle, like when they meet up and they have kind of like their final battle between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, there is, a lot more of him being more in tuned to the force and Vader even comments on it. Like he can mm -hmm. feel it. He can tell that this is not the same Obi-Wan as the one that he dragged through the chemical fire. Right. Your strength has returned, but the weakness, and then, of course, um, you know, when when he's buried by Vader and, and basically thought like as if he's dead or crushed or whatever, then all of a sudden he thinks of Luke and Leia and how that's like the last like shred of duty that he has and he cannot fail them. And so then all of a sudden he embraces the force full tilt and we see him like as we've never seen him before in terms of using the force. And I think, you know, I, I'd like to, to, to segue a bit from this into talking about looking at the capabilities between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi, because if we, if we pause that battle and we look at some of the battles that Darth Vader was in, Darth Vader is a very capable fighter as well. 
you know, it's not just about Obi-Wan Kenobi and like, oh, was he really an awesome Jedi fighter? Like, you know, was he really good with a lightsaber or whatever? I absolutely loved certain sequences, like when he was fighting uh, Reva or Reva, I can't remember exactly what the name was, but, you know, he basically had his hands like at his sides and she was doing everything she could to try and stab him or slash him or whatever. And he was basically one with the force. He was using the force as his ally and she was powerless to do anything at all. So I thought that that was in particular, uh, once again, another very powerful moment in the entire season where it's like Vader's no slouch. And he's also not one who just predominantly just, you know, uses like his lightsaber as well. And so I I was glad that we got to like, you know, kind of open up the Pandora's box a little bit on Vader and then open up the Pandora's box on Obi-Wan a little bit and seeing these different types of capabilities that honestly we haven't seen in the prequels at all. True. But, and I feel like, I, I don't mean like to, to knock like the bricks under your you know, foundation of what you're saying, because I, I appreciate what you're saying. But I guess where I'm coming from also is that I think it's a bit cliche how they go, oh, well, the bad guy is always going to be strong. No matter if he has PTSD or what tragedy he went through, the bad guy is always going to be strong. And the good guy is just always going to be weak. You know, because he has the mercy or he has, you know, something else that he just cannot be as strong as the bad guy. And I thought, well, here we go again. Like, it's just, it, 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 it's not, it's no surprise. Okay, Darth Vader, we know he's awesome. He's really cool. He's really powerful. But Ben Kenobi is no slouch either. And I, I would have liked him to take the, the different route than the, you're going to be weak and then figure out your strengths towards the end of the show sort of thing. And so when when we saw how powerful Darth Vader was, awesome, cool, that whole fight sequence, great. Thank you for showing me that. I was really entertained. Glad I saw it. Glad the whole thing was choreographed exactly the way it was. It was really cool. But it, it just went down that cliche road again. Where uh, okay, we we know Darth Vader's cool. We saw that, but now we go, we're going back to Ben Kenobi's struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle. And okay, fine. Like he gathers his emotions and puts the PTSD behind him and focuses on the fight. And now he's really cool. And it's like, hurrah. But, um, you know, what, what, what did we have to go through as fans being patient, waiting for that versus just seeing Darth Vader just continually being this deadly guy, like the force on the dark side must be just so compelling. Like, like they're just so much more focused, just laser line focused, no pun intended, laser line focused and learning their craft and honing and being dedicated to the mission and nothing's going to distract them versus the good guys where they just seem to scatter and by luck or whatever, they pull it together at the end and prevail. Um, but even though we like happy endings and we like to see the good guys win, of course, uh, it, it almost takes some of that thrill away because we know basically the roadmap they're going to go to. I, I, I figured like in the, in the first two show in the first two episodes, I thought, okay, they're making it a point to show that, that Ben Kenobi's weak. So by the end of the show, he's going to do something awesome because we can't just as fans go, oh, you're marketing an Obi-Wan show to us. That's really cool. And now we're going to show him as being nothing. You're like that's not going to sell. So they have to show us something really cool towards the end. And at the end, I thought, okay, well, here it is. I knew it was going to be there. 
Well, but I, I think that that's, I, I think that's a little unfair because while we know the, that we know what the outcome is going to be because we've already seen the films. We know that Obi-Wan Kenobi survives and we know that Darth Vader survives, right? That's not what the show is about. The show is about exploring their relationship further because it's, you know, once again, it's very one dimensional if you just have the protagonist and the antagonist and they just fight each other for the sake of fighting each other. You know, we already understand like their their situation, but what we are curious about is okay, what kind of new insights can we have into their relationship? And like, you know, the the, the last episode was fantastic in my opinion about you know you wa- you watch Obi-Wan Kenobi um, be full-fledged Jedi again and it's in that instance that you you as a viewer witness the fact that you know Jedi's are no pushovers either like you know both of the, these these entities these ancient religions of Sith and Jedi are, you know, they're not, as Yoda said, they're not stronger. Now the Sith side is quicker because they allow their emotions to govern their move, their, you know, their, their decision-making and like how they fight and everything else. Whereas Jedi is much more contained, right? It has more of that, that, um, you know, d- defense as opposed to offense kind of thing. But we see that with, in, in the, the situation where once again, Obi-Wan Kenobi has demonstrated that when he's on, even someone as iconic and deadly as Vader gets his butt kicked. And, but it's not just for the sake of like, you know, oh, it's time for one Kenobi to then, you know, wrap up the show or whatever. I, I actually really enjoyed the moment where like, you know, he strikes his helmet and like, you know, you could see half of Anakin and like, you know, well, again, the visual symbolism of that where like you see half of Anakin's face. So it's literally like the persona of Anakin and Vader and how like, you know, even like his voice box was like damaged. And so some of the words that he was saying were Anakin and others were Vader. And one of the the best lines that he said was when, um, you know, Obi-Wan was talking about, you know, I'm sorry. Like I, it's my fault that like you're this way and how he actually looked at him and he said, no, no, it's not your fault. I chose this. I killed Anakin myself. Anakin. Anakin is gone. I am what remains. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Anakin. For all of it. I am not your failure, Obi-Wan. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. 
I did. The same way, I will destroy you. And the delivery, I got to hand it to, to Hayden because the delivery of that line was not snarky. It was not muhaha. It was like there was so much depth of emotion baked into that, that delivery of that line where it was like, because I kept looking at his mouth like, is he smiling when he says it? He wasn't smiling. Right. He was literally like, he was revisiting the haunted notion that he had taken this path and he had come to terms with it. Like, like that was his choice. Now, again, a moment like that in the show, I was on the edge of my seat. I was just like, wow, this is because again, it's not just fisticuffs for the sake of fisticuffs. It's like they, they reveal once again that, that whether they like it or not, they they have this very close relationship. They hate each other now. <laughs> they hate but, each other. I think a little bit before too. But it's 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 that classic thing. You know, it's one thing to be strangers and and like fight each other and not like each other and everything else. It's completely different when you. It's essentially best friends having a falling out, right? I think it's a little more than that. Well, yeah, it's probably a little more than that. Um, but it's the first thing that came to mind to try and. See if that would kind of persuade you. <clears throat> By the way, I heard that the whole like cutting away his helmet kind of thing is reused. Reused. They had it in a different like cartoon or game or I'll have to send you a link because I heard that they was rehashed and I heard that from a couple different sources. Yeah, send me the link because I I've played I think every Star Wars game. I've never seen that. Uh, it was the who's the character who has like the the headdress that's kind of striped. It kind of goes all the way down. It's a chick. You're you're not talking about Queen Amidala, are you? No, definitely a Jedi. Oh 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 um, <laughs> oh oh. <laughs> Uh, are, are you talking about the, 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 the same Jedi that we saw in the Mandalorian? Yes, I think so. Um, uh, Ahsoka? Ahsoka, I don't know. Yeah. I'll just send you the I know, thing. I know yeah. who you're talking about. But I mean, I could be, I, I heard it. A Maybe it was Star Wars Clone Wars? Nah, I, I'll look it up again. I'll probably should have brought it with me, but, um, so here's the thing though, too. Yes. Uh, you're going to hate me again, Russ. I know I'm being a pessimistic Paulina here. You're being a negative Nancy. I'm being a, uh, yeah. So 
here's the thing is, okay, so Obi-Wan left Darth Vader, Anakin, to die on Lava Planet. <laughs> and so he thought that was the end of it. He just left him there to burn up. Hard decision to make. Mm -hmm. And so he didn't die, and he's become this very unstoppable force. Yes. No pun intended again there. And so now they go to fisticuffs again, and he goes, oh, well, you got to live with yourself now because you're like this. And then he just turns around and walks away. And I thought, it, you're not going to... I mean, of course they can't because you know he's going <laughs> to appear later on in the sh in the in continuity, the, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, but it, then I got to thinking, you know, okay, well later on we get to episode four and Darth Vader's responsible for, you know, of course, you're creating the Death Star and then it blows up uh, Princess Leia's planet, and so in a way, like. Ben Kenobi's kind of got a little blood on his hands because he didn't like take out Darth Vader right then and there. Not the first time to make sure he was dead. Not the second time. And then, you know, of course, we all know what happened uh, later on. So I kind of thought, well, I think there's there's two things that come to mind. One is, is the fact that um, Obi-Wan Kenobi has referred to Anakin as his brother. Mm -hmm. So the it's a complicated relationship. I mean, you don't just like go off and murder someone who you call brother, but Anakin doesn't refer to him that way. It doesn't matter. Think about you. You have to, you have to like, he put, left him to die though. Put Obi-Wan and Darth Vader on hold for a moment and think about okay. other types of real world relationships where like there is a falling out, right? You have, um, a variety of different types of, of scenarios with that. But the point is, is that, even post fallout, there's still a lot there. Like, like there's still just a lot of emotions and feelings and conflict and turmoil and like all these different things going on. And so like in Obi-Wan's case, it was like, you know, it, what Obi-Wan was feeling was once again, I think it haunted him to see Anakin's face behind the mask I think it haunted Obi-Wan Kenobi when Anakin actually said that line. Um, you know, I think that um, also Obi-Wan Kenobi was, was feeling um, self-conscious of the fact that like, you know, he really took it to Vader. I mean, I mean, Vader was basically an inch away from being on life support because he was having trouble breathing. I mean, he like really damaged uh, Vader's like, you know, life support system on his armor. I mean, there was just a lot there. So again, it's too simplistic to just like think, Oh, he's just going to take this guy out just because, you know, like again, it's way more delicious and juicy for the viewers to see this relationship play out, even if it's a failed relationship, you look at it and you're like, wow. Yeah. There's, there's just a lot there. And it perpetuates Vader's obsession over Obi-Wan because like at the end of the season, for instance, he has been bested yet again by his old master, despite growing even more powerful. And see, that's the thing too, that drives Vader nuts is that as Vader goes along, he grows in his power. I mean, he he's the chosen one and he didn't stop yeah, when he was Anakin. Chosen one. <laughs> yeah. And so like, as he goes through, I mean like really like this season where like where it takes place, Vader's in his prime. Like 
again, when we, by the time we see him in episode four, like he's kind of getting a little old. He's, he's you know, getting, getting a little up there because it's like 20 years later, right? So he's basically like in his 50s or something. Hmm. So, We're yeah. We're not far off from that, Russ. Hmm? We're not far off from that. We're not. We're not too far off from being crazy hermits ourselves in the desert. Just not keeping our eyes on families. I got nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, like I said, episodes four, five, and six, I was like, wow, okay, this show really turned itself around. Episodes two and three were, I just didn't care for it all. I thought, I thought they were pretty bad, but I, I really liked how they made that dive in. Now, I don't know if it's been 100% confirmed or not, but there is definitely demand for a season two of Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I need to look it up and see if, like, Disney has given that the official green light. It may have. I'm not exactly sure. They, It's hard to keep up with all the Disney stuff because they've got so many different uh, releases and whatnot. But if they do, then I look forward to watching the second season and seeing what else goes on because, again, this particular show is a great opportunity to once again, be able to explore these different types of encounters with Darth Vader, as well as any other type of um, villain or characters that Obi-Wan Kenobi comes into contact with. And my hope is that they don't squander that. I, I, again, I want to see more of these types of, of epic battles between Vader and Obi-Wan, because again, that's what we, briefly heard about in episode four when they saw each other again at the death star and every fan's mind was just reeling over like, my goodness, like what happened that led up to this moment where, you know, these two clearly had lots of run-ins with each other. They clearly were, you know, on the one hand you had Vader who was, who was just obsessively trying to kill and find Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think Obi-Wan Kenobi was, at some level trying to figure out if he could ever like bring Anakin back. And that was just not to be. <clears throat> How's that joygasm water treating you there, Steve? Tastes very clean. Filtered. Swig myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Keep the camera on you while you drink that, Russ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. wet my whistle, Steve. <clears throat> yeah. Well, do you think they're making a spinoff of Revo, Russ? They're going to make a spinoff show, do you think? Oh, I have no idea. Mm. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I do want to bring up one of the things oh, I did have an issue okay. with with yeah. her character, though. Okay, great. Let's talk about it. Okay, Steve. Well... I have a problem with like, you know, okay, so she gets to Owen's um, house, right? Owen, um, yes. o- Uncle Owen and, and Aunt Baru. And we see as she like stalks Luke as he makes a run for it and everything else. After and, she's been stabbed. Yes. Yes, right. Um, Lightsaber stabbed. Yeah. And it's just weird how like, you know, she brings, she decides not to take Luke out because she all of a sudden gets this like wave of, of guilt and realization of how like this is not who she is and or whatever. So she, you know, we see her bring the unconscious body of Luke back to Owen and Obi-Wan 
and she just lays the, lays him down and then just kind of like walks off. And it's like, hold on a second. <laughs> that was a little too conveniently tidy because this person, despite the fact that maybe she's coming around, like she's murdered like all these people. Like, I don't know. The, the, it was just kind of funny how it seemed as though the storytellers were just like, oh, and so then she brought back the body of Luke, didn't kill him, and now she's one of the good guys now or something to that effect. And I'm Wrap like... Wrap this up here. We got to get up to post-production. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, no. There there are consequences to the path that she chose. I'm sorry. <laughs> but we, did, you, did we, you notice that as well? Uh, yeah. We've gone through the entire show hating this you know person as a villain because she's slaughtering innocence with her own motive to like to climb to, to show the empire how tough and dedicated she is and and then so we don't we already don't like her and she's not a very good villain either way so like both ways i mean darth vader is a great villain i love darth vader oh he's villain. iconic and but i mean this person's not a good villain and, right. and, she, and her story and her arc if you will is not well written at least here it's not and um this is not the way, like, it's not fun. It's not entertaining to watch somebody just slaughter innocence just because you want to climb the ladder to, to, you know, show the Empire you're Darth Vader's homie only to kill him, you know, stab him in the back. Ulterior motives. Like, yeah. that's, it's just not deep enough and it's not entertaining and it's not fun. Uh, and you don't get a pass at the end of the show just because you decided not to kill one kid. Um I thought it would have been much more interesting it maybe if that happened earlier on and then maybe she became like um, uh, a learner of Ben Kenobi. Like, okay, let me take you from the dark side, bring you back to the good side. Let me teach you some things and show you, uh, show us and the Star Wars universe how powerful you can be on the good side. Mm -hmm. Like, like she's all, you, know, you know, I mean, something new, something fresh like that. But Maybe it, they'll do that in season two. Perhaps. Um, but yeah, I have to ask you about this, though. I don't know. My TV, <laughs> I don't know. I was like, towards the end of that episode, everything was so dark. I'm like, are the blacks, like off on my TV? Like, do I have to adjust like the brightness or something? Like everything was so dark huh. on, was it that way for you? No, I, I didn't have any kind of problem with that. I, I actually really loved the way all the visuals looked. I mean, it, like you're, I assume you're talking about the final battle, right? When she was, well, not necessarily a final battle, but when, oh, she, when she was pursuing Luke. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a bit on the dark side. Oh, <laughs> Hey, now who's got the puns, huh? <laughs> nice. I actually did not plan that at all. I was, it was like, as it was like exiting my mouth, I was like, George, you pun. <sighs> that was good. Well, Steve, uh, give me your concluding thoughts and your uh, rating, dare I ask, of the season one of Obi Wan Kenobi. Well, Russ, thank you. I think you know. No. I think the audience knows. Um, I just think it was um, average at best. It was uh, the highs were high, the lows were low. Um, 
I'm trying to, I'm not really sure who to point the finger to, if it's Kathleen Kennedy or if it's the writers. The, I'm not, I want to say it was the director because it was a Deborah Chow, I think it was. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. And I think she did some Mandalorian work, yep. which was really good. So mm-hmm. I can't really say it's her. Um, but to me, it just, the, the, the parts where they really wanted to get me in the feels and, and, and have the drama, to me... I mean, I hear everything what you're saying. It just didn't. It just fell flat on me. If you had a choice, like I'll, I'll like pause there. Well, I, I want to be able to insert this uh, question sure into was. your uh, analysis. Uh-huh. Um, what would you have wanted to see in season one that would make you excited? Well, I can tell you what I didn't want to see. Like <laughs> no, I don't, no, I don't, no, no, I've no, never, no, 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 too easy. I, I want to know what you would have wanted to see, Steve. So, for example, um, the last time we were with Ben Kenobi, he was <laughs> the apprentice. I guess this is not final thoughts right now. We're going to reverse. Well, uh, we're pausing it. Go ahead. <laughs> so he was always saying like, oh, master, 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 like Qui-Gon Jinn, right? And so we never really saw his full potential between the prequels and episode four. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot that happened in between and I wanted to see him like, just come on stage and show us what he's worth. Right. Um, so I wanted to go on an adventure and know this character more regardless of maybe who he fought. Maybe, maybe it was Darth Vader. Maybe it was somebody else who we'd never been introduced to before. I don't care. I wanted to see some really cool force stuff, lightsaber battles, intense action, whatever. Um, that's what I wanted to see. But what we got was, okay, we're going to be babysitting Leia and here's uh, some throwaway side plot characters that you don't care about. And oh, by the way, here's some action between, uh, you know, Darth Vader and Obi-Wan and their lines aren't going to be that great. Mm. So to me, I mean, again, it the, the pros get totally washed out by the cons and you're just left with like, okay, this was supposed to be a great show. I'm glad I didn't have my hopes up higher because I would have been like crazy disappointed. I had my hopes down low. Mm. And Disney, to me, uh, gave me what I, exactly what I thought this show was going to be. So, um, I mean, going forward, I would probably say like, I, I'm glad like at the last minute they showed Qui-Gon, mm-hmm. um, his, his spirit there. And it made sense that, okay, you know, Obi-Wan wasn't connected with the force. Therefore he couldn't see Qui-Gon. Sure. Um, so, but I mean, if season two is going to be like season one, I mean, it just I, I don't think it is. I don't know. See again, I think season one was its own standalone season. I think that that moving forward, like we're not, we're not going to see Obi-Wan Kenobi cut off from the force. I think that he has now re-embraced it. And I think the Qui-Gon Jinn little cameo at the end there, I think that is proof of that is where now that he's back in tune with the force, now he can once again commune with his old master of Qui-Gon Jinn. Maybe we'll even see Yoda in, in the future. I mean, it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. But I do think that what you're looking for will start to be more of a mainstay as we go into hopefully subsequent seasons of the show. But it would also have to be better writing. They can't just show us characters because characters don't really mean that much unless like the writing and the lines that they're delivering on screen are, are worthwhile. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, 
I want to get to, to your uh, thoughts, but I would say my rating would be a, um, I would say 2.5. 2.5. You know, honestly, I thought it was going to be lower. I was fighting. I'm grappling with the two to a 2.5, but I settled at the 2.5, Ross. Mm. I'll give you the half. Wow, 2.5. Because <laughs> I'm generous. 2.5 out of five stars. I do share, to a certain extent, some of the, the disappointment and frustrations that you've outlined just now. Uh, because I, too, I mean, I agree. I think that there were issues with how certain characters, such as, like, the little kid Leia, um, and even really, like, the, the Inquisitors as a whole. As someone who really enjoys reading different types of Star Wars novels, I have always had this, this fascination with the Inquisitor, the Sith Inquisitors, right? Like, they are this, this kind of other faction of the Sith. How do they go about uh, their, you know, executing their, their certain types of tasks and how do they go about their interrogations? And I don't know, like, like to me, like that was um, once again, in theory, in concept, it was a, a terrific opportunity to be able to introduce this into the show. But unfortunately, the way that they went about it, I just didn't care for. I felt like like it was a squandered opportunity. I didn't care for the costumes. I didn't care for the actors. Um, they, they really, it, it came across as almost like action figure-y uh, in a way where like I'm watching this, I'm like, no, 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 the, the Inquisitors need to have a certain type of persona that is, in my mind, filled with more mystique and sophistication. It's not like they kind of came across more as like these kind of brute thugs almost, if you will. And that's just not how I interpret the, the inquisitors to be like now, granted you can have like a whole range of Sith and some of which may be more in that capacity, but I just didn't, I didn't think that, that the inquisitors were, were that way just in, in, in my mind. Now, what is a big relief to someone like myself is I'm really glad that when it came to the second half of the show, that's when all of the big reveals came out. That's when you can tell like a lot of the budget was spent and stuff. And, and it's kind of formulaic in its own way because Disney plus shows tend to do this where can't stand it. They, they do this thing where like, like they, they have the initial episode, which is like, Oh, okay. It's, it's exposition. We're being introduced to what it is that they're going to be showing. And then the next two, to three episodes are just forgettable and boring. And you're like, why are we doing this? And then it's like the, the last two to three episodes <laughs> are great. Like, it's like, wow, I, I wish like the entire season would have been like these episodes over here. Something to keep you hooked. Yeah. And, and, and again, I think, <laughs> I think this is the, in this case, this is a classic example of how most of the ideas that were on the table were sound ideas. I just think that there were mistakes with casting. There was uh, mistakes with like, you, like to your point, like the script, I think some of the dialogue could have been better. And also too, like thinking about how do we, how do we maintain the focus on the main character of Obi-Wan Kenobi? Because I mean, I agree to a certain extent, like I said earlier with you, like for instance, Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of going into babysitter mode with Leia. I just, I felt like that was dumbing down like what should have been 
like time to be able to like approach the subject material a bit more maturely, a bit more like, you know, like less of, I don't know, like some of the hijinks of, of like, you know, the adventures of babysitting, so to speak. But see the other thing, Jedi babysitting, (laughs) the other thing that, that, um, comes to mind that like, I've, I've actually spoken about to you in, in previous episodes of, Joygasm is that Disney has started to um, almost have this kind of reoccurring crutch that they use where it's this, again, to a certain extent, this babysitting thing where it's like, you know, you watch the Mandalorian and Mando is constantly babysitting Grogu, which when that came out, that was novel. That was a novel idea. No one had really thought about that kind of concept before within Star Wars. And so it was very successful. All the fans love it. But then you start watching like the Bad Batch and then they too, you know, you have this, this group of stormtroopers and they have this little girl and, and, and they're having to watch out and basically babysit her as well and protect her through this whole thing. Now we go to Obi-Wan Kenobi and once again, you have little kid Leia and Obi-Wan and it, again, it's this kind of like, you know, little, um, little kid type of archetype that is mostly defenseless, but they will surprise you in the last minute. And, and we see that in all three of these shows I've listed. So that is um, something that I do. I do worry about to a certain extent because I could see that really getting played out really quickly if they keep introducing these shows with the same type of formula. It's like, okay, we need to, we need to step away from that. Cause like we're here in danger of oversaturation. However, having said that though, I really love what I've seen so far with regards to the relationship between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi. I really do love, um, what was on display in terms of Darth Vader getting, to a certain extent, you know, revenge in terms of torturing Obi-Wan, um, seeing the obsession that he's always been known to have, but also see Obi-Wan Kenobi's journey going from someone who has carried a lot of um, guilt and this, this burden on his shoulders of knowing that his side lost. You know, you don't really see um, that type of scenario where it's the aftermath, right? Like you see it in the moment of like, you know, one side wins, one side loses, but there's not really many shows that really kind of explore like, well, what is the aftermath? Like what, what kind of demons is the protagonist having to deal with? And like, how is he able to overcome those and be able to ascend once again to, how he or she used to be. Like, I just, I think that that is a very interesting concept. And I think it's, it's one that particularly folks who have been around for a little while can also, I don't know, like either identify with or be empathetic to, I don't know. I just, I really like it. So in my, in my review rating, I think I'm going to give it 3.5 stars. I knew it. 3.5 stars right there. I knew it. It rede- it like <laughs> Anakin Skywalker from Return of the Jedi redeemed itself in the end. Mm. So, was that enough for me? Sorry, Gross. Uh, you don't need to apologize. You you, you just yeah. share what you thought. Apparently it was not a joygasm for you. 
To me, it had moments of joygasms within the last three episodes. That wraps up this particular episode of Joygasm. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm where you can enjoy exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it continues financially helping us do said show. Also, make sure you click on that subscribe button as well as that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single solitary episode of Joygasm that drops once a week every week. And... If you are so inclined, you can do a search for us on social media. Just look for at Joygasm TV. We're on all of them. We'd love to have you join the community, as it were. Last but not least, do a search for Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our video game adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We hope that all of you will have a wonderful weekend and we will catch up with you again next week.